You're listening to Trucking 101, Surviving Your First Year. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers. Hello and welcome to Trucking 101, Surviving Your First Year. My name is Rick and beside me is my talented wife, Melissa. Today's episode is all about working with law enforcement and things you can do to fly under the radar, so to speak. Our special guest tonight is Dale Howard. We'll let Dale tell you about himself and his background. Hi, Dale. You're on the air. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's a real treat. Pleasure. Well, thank you for coming on. Well, I... uh, I uh, retired out of a uh, 23-year career in law enforcement. Uh, The last seven years were spent uh, solely with commercial vehicle enforcement. Uh, I was a CBSA instructor and uh, taught for my agency as well as uh, numerous other agencies and uh, had a great career. It's, uh, It's so easy for people today to get caught up in the us and them mentality. And, you know, it's, it's just not worth the aggravation. We, uh, mm-hmm. we in law enforcement, our whole goal is everybody's compliant, and it's just a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. And being compliant we, is so uh, much more easier than, than, uh, than not being compliant, too, really. Ab- absolutely. You know, if people put as much effort into complying with all the regulations – as they do trying to circumvent the regulations, yeah, it uh, it'd just be a lot easier. And it's funny, the things I've found throughout my career, that people just didn't understand the regulation and were actually in compliance when they thought they weren't. So just, uh, I can't stress enough for your listeners to just take the time, slow down, and uh, educate yourself just like people are doing tonight. We, uh, I've uh, spoken now at, uh, gosh, coming up, I think, on my seventh or eighth uh, CMC, and it's so nice to uh, interact with the drivers. And I talk about not looking like a wounded gazelle. And if you don't look like a wounded gazelle, then law enforcement isn't going to come and eat you. So <laughs> just when you're when you're walking out to your truck, first thing in the morning after breakfast or or whatever you've done, take a good look at at your operation and ask yourself, do I look like a wounded gazelle? Pre-trip, pre-trip, pre-trip. I just can't stress that enough. You know, you start the truck up there. Start in the morning, pick the hood up, do your underhood checks, drop the hood, fire the truck up, Check all your lights. Do your walk around. How long does it take? You know, it's uh, it's part of the requirement. And while things are warming up, it's just great due diligence. And then you can catch things that we're not going to catch. And our whole focus should be on let's let the other guy get stopped. Because I've always at every CMC I've spoken at and every trucking group I've spoken to, what you get stopped for is not what you're going to get the ticket for. 
for example, I stopped a truck that uh, was missing the conspicuity tape, the red and white reflective tape on the trailer. And by the time that traffic stop was over, there was over $15,000 worth of dangerous goods fines. Wow. Stop for a simple ticket. And yeah, how, how quickly things escalate. It's, <clears throat> it goes back to that wounded gazelle look. You know, truck's dirty. You know, are your lights clean? Did you take the time to walk around and just dust off that conspicuity tape? Because that shows two things. If, if you've taken the time to clean that off, that shows me in enforcement that you've taken the time to actually walk around your vehicle. So chances are I don't need to look at you. I can go find somebody else to check. Yeah, if you let us jump in there, uh, Dale, uh, that's one of the things that Rick and I always were very careful to do when we picked up trailers working for Warner. We always cleaned off the, uh, the we call it the reflective tape. Um, and we would come into the yard where we had a dedicated lane out of there, pick up our trailer, and there's probably about maybe 10 or 15 guys picking up at the same time. And we were always the last ones off the yard because, you know, we went through, we checked the brakes and the tires and the lights, and we always cleaned off the tape and make sure everything was looking good. We replaced missing tape if it was ripped or Yeah, we, or kept, gone. A, we kept a big roll of the tape. And our, our carrier had a really bad maintenance score. So their green light privileges were taken away. So we got called into every way station, but we never got pulled in for an inspection. Because we looked you know, like we had worked on our trailer for a minute. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, how long did that take you to do that before you hit the road? It, it took, uh, some, depending on the trailer we picked up, it could take up to a half hour. But, I mean, once you've done it a few times, it, it doesn't take that long. And, boy, the peace of mind of mm-hmm. knowing that you look like you've worked on your trailer – and, and we very seldom ever got stopped. I mean, we've had uh, almost every time we've been stopped for for an inspection has been during the the uh, the September. yearly glitch. Yeah. You know, and uh, usually, like last year, we got stopped. We I made sure all the lights were working. We took the truck in, got it washed. You know, and it's a very, it's a pretty nice looking truck. And of course, the first place we went into, the guy grabbed us and said, you know, and I know he was saying. This will be know, an easy one. This will be an easy one. And, and he, I, literally, he spent yeah, five minutes on this he thing. He came up to the window and was like, I'm going to do a real quick inspection. And that's exactly what it was, too. <laughs> well, uh-huh. and that's why yeah, we, it, it was such a privilege to work with you guys at the CMC because you had a general interest in that. And I remember the first Facebook post where you commented, you guys got uh, DOT'd right after you left the CMC, and you passed with flying colors, and you just felt so relaxed through the process. Uh, you know, due to the CMC, it was it was great. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's uh, you know that half an hour, if it takes you that long to mm-hmm. to do a proper inspection and to get ready for the road, you know that's that's time well spent because now you're not going to spend forty five minutes to an hour in a scale yard. So mm-hmm. to all the drivers out there listening to this, don't think of that as time with no value or wasted time because that is that is the best time you will spend in your day. That's and right. if I can, you know, let's let's just walk through a good thorough pre trip and basically a level one C V S A inspection is just a thorough pre trip that 
you should perform every day. Um, I've had my uh, CDL now for 35 years, and I I drove throughout my whole career, and uh, you know it was every time I picked up a trailer, I uh, the carrier I was leased to uh, when I retired was uh, drop and hook. You know I put my coveralls on, do a quick inspection, and I just breezed through every inspection. And the standing joke when I retired is the chief said if I ever got a an out of service I had to give my pension back. So <laughs> I kind of had a interest in in making sure I was compliant because I knew better. But yeah. you know let's, let's we've gone in we've got out of bed we've gone in had a shower had breakfast we're back out to the truck we're ready to start our day. First thing we do is pop the hood and check oil fluids do all our underhood stuff. Have a look at suspension components you can see, uh, brake lines. You get a feel for, for how things look. And if you're happy with that, then flip on all your lights and check the wheel fasteners by physically putting your hand and seeing if you can spin the washer behind the nut. Because that's what I'm going to do as an, an officer doing an inspection. And while you're doing that, you can check the tire for any uneven wear, check the uh, hub for proper oil level, and then work your way back. Uh, a fuel cap, something as simple as a fuel cap, is an out-of-service violation and points on your PSP score that you just don't need. So make sure we pay attention to the little details. Is there anything falling off? Uh, anything loose on our deck? Uh, between the uh, cab and the trailer. Tarp straps are not recognized for cargo securement. So if you've got an ice shovel or whatever you've got, and if you've got it tarp strapped down, you're that wounded gazelle. Because now I have to stop you and tell you you can't do that. And while I've got you stopped, why don't we have a look at everything else? So you kind of get a feel for where this is going. We want to give law enforcement an excuse not to stop us. So we'll look at the trailer connections, airlines, nothing's kinked, nothing's rubbing. We're going to move down to the drive wheels, and we're going to do the same thing. Check wheel fasteners, check our tires for pressure. Back of the truck, we've got two mud flaps. If we're bobtailing, not the end of the world if we're pulling a hook to a trailer. And we're going to physically look at the fifth wheel handle to make sure that it's latched. And we're going to physically look in and make sure the jaws are across the fifth wheel. We've had incidents where people think it's funny to target a carrier and pull their fifth wheel. So whenever the truck has been out of your sight, you have to check the fifth wheel. Simple tug test or just Take a quick look. It takes two seconds. Mm -hmm. Working our way down the trailer, we're going to wipe off the conspicuity tape because we've got a chunk of paper towel on our hands. We're going to get back to uh, the uh, tandems, make sure the pins and the suspension are locked. And, again, there's a quick, easy uh, out-of-service violation if, if one of the pins isn't engaged. And it's embarrassing if you happen to do happen to have to make a panic stop and the tandems leave the trailer. Seen that way too many in my career. 
fasteners, tire conditions. Uh, I'll jump in and just tell you a quick story. As a CBSA inspector, my agency required that I do 120 inspections a year to stay accredited. So we're we're conducting a compliance check one day out on the highway, and it's a quiet day. And I do the thing that terrorizes most commercial drivers. I leap out in front of a truck and wave him into my inspection lane. And the driver is very confident and cocky because the truck had just had its annual safety, and the trailer, the safety was only a week old. So he was really confident that he was going to pass the safety. By the time I was done my inspection, I had 64 wheel nuts on the asphalt that I could spin off with my glove. In Canada, when we do, when we do an annual safety inspection, all of the wheels have to come off. Very different safety from the standard U.S. DOT. And what had happened is the uh, somebody had uh, neglected to have the wheels retorqued, and uh, that was a classic case of when the wheels came off this trailer. This particular carrier was on the frequent flyer program and had a history of losing wheels. So they flew their safety director out over a thousand miles to sit down in my office and convince me why I wasn't going to share my findings with other agencies across the country. So bad inspections can have tremendous ramifications. And just imagine how you would feel if a wheel came off and went through a school bus. Mm-hmm. Just ponder that for a second, knowing that because you were too lazy, and I, I don't can't sugarcoat that, to do a proper inspection, how would you feel? So now yeah. that you've yep. grasped the severity of why we go through this process, we'll move to the back of the trailer, we'll clean off all the lights, We'll go up the right side and we'll just mirror everything we did on the left side. Wheel fasteners, tires, cargo securement, all that good stuff. We move up into, uh, back up into the truck because we're satisfied everything is fine uh, uh, outside. And check and make sure all your gauges work, all your warning lights work. And now is a good time. Everything's ice cold. We haven't moved and we're going to release truck brakes, trailer brakes. We've built our air up to 120 pounds. And what we're going to do is we're going to do two full hard brake applications right to the floor. And we're going to hold it for a second, release it, back down to the floor again, release it, and then give that, let it build back up to 120 pounds. And then let's continue to do that, make brake applications, until the low air warning buzzer comes on and the warning light illuminates. And we've just accomplished a number of things. Self-adjusting brakes require a hard brake application right to the floor. When they first introduced automatic slack adjusters, the guiltiest drivers we found for brakes out of adjustment were the old dinosaurs like myself. We'd, We'd driven all our lives and that took a lot of pride in what we did, 
and we believed anything over a five-pound brake application was a panic stop. So our brakes never got a chance to adjust because we didn't make those hard applications. And it took me a while to get into the habit of doing that every morning. But once you get in the habit, and we only want to do this when things are ice cold, because if we've, if we've just come down a long hill like the grapevine in California, we've been on our brakes, everything's hot, the brake drum expands, we pull into the TA or the Petro at Wheeler Ridge, and we make those brake applications, we're going to adjust our brakes to, a, to an expanded brake drum, and then when everything cools off, we're not going anywhere. So always do that first thing in the morning when everything's ice cold. And now you're ready to face the day. And how long did that take us? Uh, Melissa, when, when we did the walk around on, on, and the inspection on you guys' truck, 15, 20 minutes tops? Something like that, yep. Yeah, that was a really thorough inspection that you do out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's a full level one inspection. I'm on my coveralls underneath. And we can do that without um, – I, I would encourage everybody to uh, grab a pair of coveralls. And certainly once a week, put your coveralls on and get under your truck and get to look at things and, and get to know your truck. And I picked Sunday as my inspection day. I was usually in California because I had a dedicated lane, and uh, the weather was always great. And Sunday morning was my inspection day. I physically checked all my tire pressures, top tires up, got my coveralls on, crawled the truck, and, and I was good for the week. And then if I happened to do a drop and hook, the coveralls always came on and I always checked the trailer because that takes no time at all. And, yeah, I never sweated an inspection at all. Yeah, um we uh, the, the other thing that that we do we don't we do the inspection like you're talking about and then every single time I stop I do a walk around the trailer just to make sure I mean you're driving down the road and you might be on the road for 300 miles now you know 30 minutes you're only going about about 30 miles but if you're if you're out here driving you know for for 5 hours you're, you've gone 300 miles so something can go wrong during that period of time and it it, it you mentioned several times get to know your truck and the only way you can get to know your truck is if you look at it and if you listen to it you know and and that's you know that that's what i think makes it safe and uh, just to keep on going here i I wanted to tell you a story uh about you when you were talking about the lug nuts and the and you know wheels coming off and stuff like that we actually had an experience oh yeah where we were in, we were in on on a uh, a U.S. highway in Kansas, and was coming around a curve, and I looked up, and I would, I, I'm going, oh my God, there's a tire going across the road, and I look up, and here comes a guy around the curve, and I'm like, oh my God, this guy is going to come over and just cream me, and somehow, he 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 must have grabbed hold it of the wheel. It was his steer tire that had come yeah, off. Yeah, his steer tire came off. Yeah. And he was just chewing the pavement up, but he got that thing over to the side of the road before he came past me. But, I mean, that was just uh, – if we'd have been two, three seconds sooner, his tire would have come up and went right into our cab, Yeah, you know. 
and it was just after it was done. I mean, it happened so fast after it was done. I was just kind of like, oh my god, I was almost in a major accident, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is out in the middle of nowhere. I can't even imagine and, what this, how long this guy listened to that that tire rattling around and stuff. And and that's how quickly things can escalate. Uh, I investigated an accident where a set of duels came off a trailer. Uh, truck is going southbound. The duels come off the right hand rear corner, they hit the guardrail, crossed two lanes of southbound traffic, went down through the median, crossed one northbound lane, the second northbound lane hit a Chevy Malibu, wrote that vehicle off, and the wheels mounted the guardrail, and I measured it with with my uh, laser radar, and they went out another... 1,800 feet after the point of impact into a field. That's how much energy these wheels have when they come off. And it's just so easy to prevent that by just taking a few minutes, due diligence, and do your job. Because really, that's all we're asking you to do is do your job. The a pre-trip requirement if you if you look at the FMCSA regulations, you have to be satisfied that the vehicle you're operating is roadworthy. And the only way you can be satisfied in your own little heart of hearts is to get out and do a proper pre-trip. I don't know how many times I got out of bed, went in, had a shower, had breakfast, read the paper, walked back out to my truck, and as I'm walking across the parking lot, I've watched somebody crawl out of the bunk, run his fingers through his hair, fire the truck up, and leave, and not even mm. get out. How can you possibly say that you're ready for the day? Uh, drop and hook, uh, Wheeler Ridge, California, we hauled a lot of Ikea freight. And at 4.30 in the afternoon, you got your paperwork. And for those of you that are old enough to remember the gumball rally, it was just like somebody yelled gumball. At 4.30, we all ran into the guard shack, got our paperwork, and bobtailing trucks everywhere. I'd drive around the building, find my trailer, back into it, set the truck brakes, release the trailer brakes, put my coveralls on, do a quick inspection, go down to the guard shack, and I am the only guy in the parking lot. Everybody else is long gone. And, Uh you know, it took me 15 minutes, and I'm now ready to go. Everybody else, you're rolling the dice. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's just not worth gambling with your life. And I use the the, uh, analogy, remember, there's a lawyer starving to death on every street corner. So (laughs) if you're involved in an incident, you know, it's, a totally survivable accident, and, and I'll tell a little story about hours of service. There was a uh, huge carrier, major carrier in uh, operating in Canada and the U.S. One of their U.S. drivers is about 45 minutes from home. So he's at his 10 hours. That was back in the good old days of 10 hours of driving. And he's in... Uh, he lives in one of the Chicago suburbs, so he's just going to go home. So he takes his transponder off the windshield and tucks it under the seat. So he's sitting at a toll booth 
at 10 hours and 22 minutes of driving, and he's paying cash, and a uh, drunk driver rear-ends the truck, and it results in a fatality. They sued that carrier and won for over $5 million. The driver Hmm. lost his home, and all because if that driver had complied with the regulations, he wouldn't have been been there, and that accident wouldn't have happened. And I agree, that particular accident would have happened. An accident would have happened, but it wouldn't have involved that driver. Mm-hmm. So you'll take a you'll take a completely survivable accident where it's not your fault. You're just an innocent bystander, and now all of a sudden it's your fault. So again, it's because just as easy to fly. You didn't follow the rules, and whether you get home at midnight or you get home at eight o'clock in the morning, really, what does it matter? I mean, I've slept an hour from home, and you just go home really well-rested and ready to start your day off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, well, uh, our target for this podcast, as as you well know, is company drivers in their first year. So uh, a lot of the people listening tonight are not going to be aware of a lot of the lingo. Uh, so one of the things I would wanted you to explain was you said frequent flyer program. Now what exactly is that? That's for carriers that are on the radar. They're not operating as compliantly as everybody would like them to, so they're already targeted. And with the uh, CSA program, you can now, and I would hope all of the new drivers, when when they got driving or went driving, They've had a chance to go on the FMCSA's website, look up the DOT number, and check your carrier score and ask yourself, boy, is this a carrier that I really want to work for? Because if they're, if they're sitting on the verge of the uh, compliance threshold in all of the categories, if they have a poor maintenance category or a, a poor maintenance score or a poor hours of service compliance score or driver fitness score, you're just asking to be inspected. In law enforcement, we, uh, you know, we use that information to decide who we're going to, uh, who we're going to inspect. And if your carrier has got a less than stellar rating, your chances of having an inspection increase dramatically. If you're hauling hazmat, you really have to pay attention to the rules and make sure that your game is together and you're not driving down the road looking like a wounded gazelle. Because again, as, a, as an inspector, to stay certified, I had to inspect uh, 32 motor coaches a year, 32 school buses a year, and 32 dangerous goods or hazmat loads a year. So if I'm getting close to my anniversary when all of these inspections are due and I'm low on hazmat inspections, boy, anything with a placard is fair game. And again, 
what you get stopped for is not what you get the ticket for. So I might stop you for a quick, easy inspection, and you happen to be telling stories in your logbook and you're not very compliant, and now all of a sudden you're in a lot of trouble. If your carrier is just outstanding, and there's a lot of outstanding carriers, I've had the experience of when I was on uh, vacation, I was still in enforcement, I took a trip down to the U.S., and uh, I'm going across the scale, and the park light comes on, bring papers. So I pull around the back, and I walk in with all my paperwork, and there's a driver there that is just getting an ass-chewing and the trooper grabbed my logbook, flipped it open in front of him, jammed his finger on the page, and said, this is how a logbook is supposed to look. <laughs> Folded it up, handed it back, and told me to have a good day. <laughs> my carrier was very particular about compliance, and it just, it just paid off. <sighs> I was very compliant. So that paid off. Every carrier I've worked for just loves when I come in with a clean inspection and it just it boosts their good good rating and just makes for a positive experience with everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all new and we all started out somewhere and, and we've all heard the horror stories. Uh, my cousin's next-door neighbor's wife once knew a guy who dated a girl whose dad knew a guy whose brother was stopped by a DOT guy, and, oh, it was a horrible experience. (laughs) You know, believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. If you're not sure of something, we are not the bad guys. If something's eating at you and you just don't know whether it's right, pick up the phone if you want to be anonymous and call a scale. All of that information is available on the Internet. And phone a friend. We, contrary to what everybody is going to tell you, we can be your friend. Pick up the phone. This is what I've got. Am I legal or am I not legal? What do I need to do? Because I want to be legal. And enforcement, we are just so happy to take those calls. And nothing made my day more than have a driver roll across the plate, pull around back, walk in and go, you know what? They tell me this is right, but I'm not sure. Would you mind coming out and having a look at it and and seeing if this is if this is right? And of course I will. And now here's my chance to aid and to educate a driver get them into compliance, and it's a win-win for everybody. Contrary Mm -hmm. to the popular belief is, you know, we're not on a quota system. I had to make X amount of contacts a day. I had to do 22 contacts a day in a shift. I didn't have to write 22 drivers' tickets a day. I just had to contact 22 drivers. And how they conducted themselves determine the outcome. And I use the analogy, this is just like Burger King. You can have it your way. If you fly out of that truck and you 
you've decided you're getting a ticket, as a good public servant, far be it for me to disappoint you and not give you a ticket. But if you're genuinely trying, that's all we asked for. Are there bad DOT inspectors out there that will write a ticket for anything? Absolutely there are. Are there bad truck drivers out there? Absolutely there is. So don't tarnish us all with the same brush. If you've had a bad experience, try and let that go and go out and find a positive experience. And I'll back that up a little bit. We have no idea what the officer has just gone through. I uh, I got called out one night. I was a collision analyst, and I got called out at midnight one night for a fatal accident involving a cattle truck and a freight train. So it's a Saturday night. I've maybe been in bed for an hour, so I haven't had a lot of sleep. Jump in my unit, respond to the scene, and 11 o'clock the following morning, we're still on scene because this truck has hit a freight train, and it's a dangerous goods-involved accident because the freight, the car he hit on the freight train was an anhydrous car. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. So I'm tired, I'm grumpy, I'm hungry, and for those of you who know me, bad combination. <laughs> a truck ripped around a roadblock and popped up in the middle of my accident. And I was not very jovial to that driver. And I lost my Mr. Congeniality Award. And I felt bad enough. And luckily the driver chose, you have the right to remain silent, and he chose to exercise that right, which was a great thing on his part. I had to hunt him down a couple of days later. He was a local guy. And apologize for my behavior. And I just watched somebody burn to death because I got there when they were just loading him in the ambulance, and he was burnt over 96% of his body. He was conscious, and he was complaining about his knee. And I mentioned to one of the firefighters as we slammed the ambulance door, I said, God, you know, the knee is the least of his problems. And fortunately, he passed away en route to the hospital. That's how badly injured he was. So if you wind up with an inspector with an attitude cut him a little bit of slack because we just don't know what he's been to and in law enforcement I have been I've seen things that no human being should ever have to see and I've done things that no human being should have to do and I'm only I'm only human so it does affect me Uh, to this day if somebody burns toast it takes me back to that accident scene and I get a taste in my mouth and yeah, it just just cut the officer a little bit of slack, and you know chalk it up to maybe he's just seen things that he shouldn't have seen, and just done things that he probably shouldn't have done, and just let bygones be bygones, let it go and and move on. Because I think generally we are trying to portray a positive in uh, influence on the industry and be professional. So. There you go, just a little food for thought. But don't be afraid of us. Um, I just really get a kick out of the people on the 72-hour road check blitz that park their trucks and hide under the couch because the big bad DOT is out to get them. 
if you run the numbers, I think there's 4 million vehicles in the U.S. that are eligible for a level one CBSA commercial vehicle safety alliance inspection. Last year, I think they inspected 74,000. I mean, you have better odds at winning big in Vegas. So if you win big in Vegas, be nervous. But if you're like everybody else, you know what? Just be compliant, drive down the road, and enjoy life. Rates go up that mm-hmm. week because so many guys park, and it's just a perfect opportunity mm-hmm. to make some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, speaking of inspections, uh, since we are talking to new drivers, and they, I'm sure they probably never had a roadside inspection before. It, our big focus is also on safety. So, can you talk about? How, the things they should do to handle a roadside inspection to be safe for themselves and for the DOT officer? Absolutely. When uh, when you're selected for a complimentary inspection, you want to uh, you want to have everything ready. Uh, nothing frustrated me more as an officer than you handing me you're driving a 1981 Peterbilt. And you're going to hand me the registration from 1981 to 2015. And every registration in between, but you can't give me this year's registration. So for company drivers, let's tomorrow morning make this our project, is let's go through our permit book and make sure that everything we've got is current and up-to-date and everything we don't need is out and your safety department is a great resource for that trundle in there with your licensing book and sit down with somebody and they're more than happy to go through that with you and make sure that that you're up to speed so when you get stopped you want to have your your permit book out your driver's license medical card bills elating all of the paperwork your logbook if you're not on e-logs all of that information so that when the officer walks up to the truck, you're organized and everything he wants is right there. And that tells me the officer two things. One, that you're paying attention and that makes me feel a little better about things. And two, if you're going to take that kind of detail in your permit book, chances are you've taken the same detail in the rest of the operation and I'm going to have a relatively easy inspection. So the officer is going to disappear with all your paperwork, and he's probably going to spend 10, 15 minutes going through and just making sure that everything in your permit book is up-to-date and relevant to your vehicle. Your logbook is current, and you're not telling stories, and everything's everything's good there. And we'll just stop there at the logbook for a second. Foreman Manor is the biggest uh, complaint and, and the, uh, the biggest infraction that, that uh, we find. So pay attention to the details. Be neat and be thorough. Fill in all the blanks. And, and again, that tells me, the officer, you're paying attention. And chances are I'm just going to breeze through it and not go through it with a microscope. If you're missing information, now I have to really look hard at it 
and decide what is the nice to know information and what is the need to know information. And I'm going to spend a lot more time with you and you just don't want to do that. So the officer is going to come back and hand you back your uh, information. And then he's going to start the inspection. So he's going to chalk your wheels and make sure that uh, the vehicle is immobilized. He's going to ask you to uh, what your air pressure is. And for a level one inspection, we want the air pressure right around that 90 to 100 pound mark. So if you're down to 70 pounds, he's going to ask you to start the truck, take your air up to 100 pounds, shut the truck off. Focus on that officer and really pay attention. Because if you're in a big rest area or a uh, big scale yard and they're doing multiple inspections, you don't want to be confused and listen to the trooper that's beside you and start your truck while the trooper that's actually doing your truck is underneath it and that's going to make him really really nervous and in some instances a sign of aggression and that's a road you just do not want to go down so he's going to be in front of the truck after he's instructed you to build your air up shut the truck off and he's going to want to see your headlights turn signals windshield wipers clearance lights, markers, and then he's going to just start on the left front corner. He'll either ask you to open your hood or he will ask if he can open the hood. And he's just going to do basically your pre-trip for you. He's going to check all the wheel fasteners. He's going to look at uh, the engine compartment, any leaks, anything out of the ordinary, and then he's going to ask you to aggressively rock the steering wheel. And what he's looking for is loose steering components. And uh, on a hands-on, I, uh, I explained to, uh, to uh, Melissa how to do that all by yourself. And you can just grab the steering shaft that comes down through the firewall, and you can aggressively rock the steering wheel while you're doing your own inspection and have a look and see if there's anything loose. The inspector is going to work down the left-hand side of the truck, and he's going to check the same things that we checked first thing this morning when he did our, when we did our pre-trip. He's going to check the uh, air and electrical connections to the trailer. He's going to check the drive axles, tires, fifth wheel. He's going to move down the trailer to the conspicuity tape, the annual inspection, the cargo securement if you're pulling a flat deck. He's going to move around to the uh, tandems. Again, check and make sure that uh, all your wheel fasteners are tight, tire pressure, tires, the uh, suspension locking pins are engaged, airlines dragging, anything that's chafed. He's going to stand at the back left corner and yell at you and probably use hand motions to check left turn signal, right turn signal, four-way flashers, and then he's going to ask you to check the brakes, brake lights. He'll move up the right side of the trailer, checking the same thing. Wheel fasteners, tires, suspension, all that good stuff. So when he gets up to the front of the truck, 
when he gets back up to the steer axle, he's going to ask you again to find, uh, to aggressively rock the steering wheel, check the right side. Then he's going to come back over and tell you he's going to go underneath the, the vehicle and start the underside inspection. He'll probably ask you uh, what your air pressure is just to verify that it's sitting at 100 PSI. And here's the part that we're going to be very adamant about. Do not do anything until I tell you to. Don't start the truck. Don't do anything until the inspector tells you. Pay close attention to that. He's going to jump on a creeper, and he's going to start at the front of the truck and work his way back underneath, and he's going to mark the push rods coming out of the brake chambers with a piece of chalk. He's going to look at uh, suspension components, brake lines, brake linings, because you can check thicknesses through the little inspection holes, condition of the frame, work his way all the way back to the trailer, do the same thing, check cross members, uh, suspension components, mark the push rods on the trailer. When he gets to the back end, he's going to scoot out, and in your left mirror, you'll see him, and he'll probably wave his hand down and yell at you to make a firm brake application to the floor and hold it. Very important that you hold that brake application right to the floor until he gets out because there's valves under the truck that if you let off the brakes you know he could be looking at something and that discharge out of air of air coming out of the valve in his face is going to make him fairly cranky so hold that brake pedal right to the floor and he's going to work his way back up the truck listening for air leaks he's going to measure the push rods the distance between the chalk and the face of the brake chamber and that tells him whether or not the uh, brakes are in adjustment. He'll work his way back up to the front, exit from under the vehicle, check the uh, brake travel, brake stroke travel on the uh, steer axle and then ask you to release. Then he's going to do the in-cab inspections, looking at the indicator lights, left turn signal, right turn signal, high beam. And then he's going to ask you to fan the brakes down until the low air warning buzzer comes on and the light illuminates. Then he's going to disconnect the uh, supply line, the red line off the uh, trailer, and he's going to listen to make sure that the trailer brakes apply and dynamate when the air supply is lost. Then he's going to disconnect the blue line ask you to make a hard brake application just to see if there's any air escaping out of that. And then uh, come back over and check and make sure that uh, he'll get you to fan the brakes down and make sure that the yellow button pops out right around 30 pounds and applies your tractor brakes. Then he's going to ask you to turn on the key and he's going to look at your dash indicator lights to make sure that the ABS light cycles on, turns off, and he's also going to look down the side of the trailer and look for that trailer light to come on and come off. So there, you've just gone through a complete level one CBSA inspection. He'll uh, ask you to uh, reconnect your airlines and 
since you've done your due diligence and you've been prepared, you get the gold star. You get the uh, CVSA decal for the windshield of your truck and the trailer. You're going to sign the document off, and you just passed yourself a level one inspection, and that's your get-out-of-jail-free card for three months. And what a great feeling that is. And I'll dump that oh, right yeah. back yeah. to you, Melissa. I remember that when you phoned me and told me you just passed your inspection and how great it was. Yeah, it was a great feeling. I mean, I was supremely confident because it was like a week after the CMC, and I was like, Dale just inspected my truck. I, I know I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if Dale, if, um, that would, I, I, I could sit here and listen to you talk all night, I, you know, because I – all this stuff is so important. Uh, if we could touch on one more thing here uh, that that I think is important, uh, probably more important to someone who's actually carrying something like this, but uh, can you give us the uh, uh, the take for a uh, an officer when he's pulling you over and you're carrying the driver's carrying a firearm? What 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 do you want to see from that driver in terms of that firearm? I want to see both of your hands wrapped around that steering wheel in the death grip. And I want you to tell me that, officer, uh, when, you're, when you're stopped, the first thing you want to do is roll down both of your windows because the officer is either going to come up the passenger side or come up the right side or the driver's side. So both windows down and unlock your door. So grab a hold of that steering wheel and tell the officer, I've got a concealed carry permit and I have a firearm. And the firearm is located in the driver's door compartment or it's located uh, you know, behind my seat or it's in the sleeper or wherever it is. And then he is going to tell you what he wants you to do. Uh, chances are he's going to ask you where it is. Okay, the gun is in my glove box. So he'll open the glove box and he's just going to take possession of that firearm until we're done the uh, the traffic stop just for his safety. He'll take it back and secure it in his vehicle and, and we really appreciate that is just really good information to have because if I find out you're armed halfway through an inspection, I'm going to be fairly cranky. So very important. Don't make any sudden moves. Just be pleasant and always hands are where we can see them. And, you know, that's just your safety and our safety. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion over whether or not uh, truck drivers are even allowed legally to carry a gun. Some people are under the impression that you can't. But that's really kind of an individual thing, depending on what your carrier's policy is, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, if you uh, you can go on the uh, on the internet and find out what states uh, accept. Uh, Utah, for example, has just a tremendous reciprocity system with uh, numerous states. They're probably the best state to have a CCW with. And uh, yeah, it really comes down to uh, your carrier's policy. And if your carrier doesn't want you to have a handgun or a firearm in the truck, then you know what? It's their plates, their insurance, and you have to respect their 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 policy. Because, again, if anything happens 
and you violated policy, you're uh, you're leaving yourself wide open. Quick little story about that. Uh, as a as an officer, I was involved in an incident where policy saved my butt, and I went to the internal hearing, and I was confident in what I had done, and it was correct. And uh, they conducted the investigation. There was uh, three sergeants on the panel, and one of them was gunning for me because that was he saw that as his ticket to promotion. And uh, I just walked in with our policy manual and opened it up and quoted the policy that I followed and the section that pertained to the incident. And that was the quickest internal investigation hearing I ever attended. So, yeah, don't violate company policy. Yeah, we we talked about that in one of our previous episodes. One of the most important things you can do as a company driver is get familiar with your company's handbook because they can have rules that aren't necessarily DOT regulations. Absolutely, and their rules, uh, as long as they are more stringent than the regulation, are, are perfectly legal. If, you know, for example, if your carrier only wants you to drive 10 hours a day, then that's all you drive. Legally, I'm entitled to drive 11, but my carrier's company policy, uh, when I first started driving, my carrier had a policy that all of their trucks were parked from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. And that was a hard and fast rule. And, boy, if you were caught driving at 3 in the morning, there was heck to pay. And, uh, yeah, it was a great policy because I'm not a night owl and I hated the night shift. And, yeah, it worked great for me. So, yeah, Yeah, don't don't violate company policy. You know, somebody... Uh, you know all the raw, all the laws, the rules, regulations. I have a great saying that somebody way smarter than me put all of this stuff in place. So I just have to follow it. And mm. same goes with company policy. Somebody way smarter than me wrote that policy, and I might not agree with it. And that's just tough because that's how it is. And you know I have to learn to run my life and my business in that parameter of that policy, not the end of the world. No, it's not. Uh, our previous carrier had a, a rule kind of like that, only they only did it on New Year's Eve. You had to park, be parked between the hours of 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. on New Year's Eve. They didn't want any of their trucks out on the road at that time period. When everybody was drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, all, we all laugh at some of the rules, and they don't make any sense to us, and and – you know, really, rules are are uh, come in place from statistical data. Uh, my carrier, you know, their their data showed that there was more animal strikes, and most of their accidents happened between one and five a.m. So they just made a policy that you know what, whatever you're delivering is not that important. So between these hours, you're parked and you're resting, and you know, their claims went down immensely, and that rule paid for itself. A lot of guys didn't like it because a lot of guys liked to drive at night when it was quiet, but, you know, the rule made sense, and it's the rule was the rule. Well, Dale, we really appreciate you coming on our, our, our show. You're just a, a wealth of information. I'm really glad we were able to get you on, and we'd love to have you on for maybe another episode because we're going to start taking live callers down the road here. 
Absolutely. It's Melissa Rick, it is always my pleasure and, and I'll throw out a shameless plug. If if anybody wants, uh Dale Howard, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. Um you can get a hold of Rick or Melissa, they'll share my contact information and and I'm just more than happy to help a driver out. And when in doubt, just ask the question, because there's never a stupid question. It's always ask the question and if you're if you're in a problem, you know, we'll get you out of the problem and get you on your way. And if you're not We'll reassure you and get you on your way. So not the bad guys, and don't be afraid to ask. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Thanks very much, Dale. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. You too. Okay. That was Dale Howard. Uh, he's just a wealth of information when it comes to compliance, and like he said, he's always willing to help. Uh, <clears throat> if you have any questions about compliance, you can just go to Facebook and look up Trucking 101. That's our group. Uh, and we will forward your question on to Dale, and, and he'll, he'll get it answered for you. And if you want to talk to him, we'll, like Dale said, we'll give you the information so you can call him up and, and talk to him on the phone or whatever you want to do. Or go to his personal Facebook page, like he said, Dale Howard on Facebook. You can ask the question there, too. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you learned a lot, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.